Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Irish and next week's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. The madness is almost here. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Of course, we are streaming live, as always, at WSBTRadio.com. And on the free WSBT radio app. And just seconds ago, I clicked the go live button on the Twitch app so you can see a video stream of the program. Eight minutes after five o'clock, this is your Tuesday, March the 7th of 2023. A very nice day here in South Bend, although the forecast later in the week does not look as nice, but a beautiful day today. Hopefully you've had a chance to enjoy it. We have 90 minutes of Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight because the Fighting Irish basketball team will play in the ACC tournament tonight against the Virginia Tech Hokies in the third of three first-round matchups down in Greensboro. Georgia Tech has already advanced. They edge Florida State 61-60. Game two, about 6.30 to go in the first half. Boston College out in front of Louisville. 23 to 15 and then it will be the Irish and the Hokies will it be Mike Bray's last game as head coach of the Fighting Irish whenever Notre Dame loses that will be the end of the 23 year run for Mike Bray as head coach of the Fighting Irish he is leaving the program after the conclusion of this season well coming up on the program this evening Besides our hat trick of opening topics, which features Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball, and Hoosier hysteria. Also coming up, our Twitter question of the day. Mishawaka boys basketball coach Bodie Bender will join me at 540 to discuss last night's thrilling sectional victory for the Cavemen over Michigan City. And look ahead to what's next. A chance to play in the Michigan City Regional on Saturday at 5 Eastern time against Hammond Central, a game that you can hear on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. We will talk Notre Dame football recruiting today with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer. Planning to get to with Mike. We'll talk about Isaiah Canyon, a 2024 wide receiver that you need to know about. You may know more than, I think, a lot of teams in the country about this guy. So we'll get into that and also who is visiting this week. Some Notre Dame football recruiting stories and notes coming up at 6.05 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But away we go with our hat trick of opening topics, and we begin with a little Notre Dame football news. NFL Combine 
is now complete down in Indianapolis. Isaiah Foskey, Notre Dame's edge rusher, took part in on-field workouts. Came in at 6'5", 264. Had a very good second 40-yard dash at 4.58. The San Francisco Chronicle did a feature on Foskey at the Combine. And he made a comment that I think caught some people a little off guard. It's kind of surprising to hear anything controversial come from Isaiah Foskey. He's just been always very quiet, just going about his business. But I think everybody's ears stood up a little bit because of a comment that he made. And this is what got things going. Foskey said to the San Francisco Chronicle, I feel like I wouldn't have gone to Notre Dame if there was NIL when I was coming into college. It would have been pretty hard to go there and stay there given the amount of money other schools are throwing around. The price difference was so big, I wouldn't know what to do. There's so much pressure on the player and his family you can make NIL money when you're at Notre Dame. You just have to work for it, end quote. Now, Foskey was a four-star recruit coming out of California. Number 13, weak side defensive end. He picked Notre Dame over schools like Alabama and Penn State. So if Isaiah Foskey was being recruited right now, it sounds like he wouldn't have picked Notre Dame. In fact, he said, I feel like I wouldn't have gone to Notre Dame if there was NIL when I was coming into college. And I think the one thing that stood out, Foskey said, quote, you can make NIL money when you're at Notre Dame. You just have to work for it, end quote. Making it sound like at other schools, you don't have to work for it. You show up, you get a check, and you're good. At Notre Dame, you got a little work to do. Now it sounds like while at Notre Dame he was able to make some money through apparel sales and also autographs the last two years. Now Foskey yesterday posted a little response on social media. Foskey said in a recent interview my words were taken completely out of context. Let me be clear about one thing. I am proud to be a Notre Dame man and could not imagine playing anywhere else. Hashtag love thee. I'm glad Isaiah put that out there, but I'd like to know what was taken out of context because when you say, I feel like I wouldn't have gone to Notre Dame if there was NIL when I was coming into college, it would have been pretty hard to go there and stay there given the amount of money other schools are throwing around. That's pretty cut and dry. I'm not sure anything else said around those comments would change those, but it just shows you NIL is a different world. We're all experiencing that. We saw the quarterback that was recruited to go to Florida, was told he was going to get over a million dollars in NIL, didn't come about. He's now at Arizona State. He left. It's big business. I like what Notre Dame's doing, going to a GM. Sounds like they're going to hire almost a GM to oversee the roster, and I'm sure NIL will fall into that person's lap as well. So very interesting comments. Foskey says if NIL would have been around when he was being recruited, I feel like I wouldn't have gone to Notre Dame. And he also said the NIL money made at Notre Dame, you got to work for it. Again, he says things were taken out of context. I would like to know other comments surrounding those comments that would change them. Next up on our hat trick of opening topics to start the program, is this it for the Notre Dame basketball team? The next time they lose, their season is over. It's been a long season for this Fighting Irish basketball team. They are the number 14 seed out of 15 teams in the ACC tournament, which is getting started today in the Irish play in round one against 
the 11 seed, the Virginia Tech Hokies. These two schools played back on February the 11th at Purcell Pavilion. And the final score, Virginia Tech 93, Notre Dame 87. Well, it was either great shooting or no one decided to play any defense or a combination of both. Virginia Tech for the game, they shot 57% from the field. If you take away three-point shots, their two-point shots in that game, they were 23 of 35. 23 of 35 inside the three-point line. Beyond the arc, the Hokies went 9 of 21 for 42%. In comparison, Notre Dame shot really well from the field, 54.8%. They were 21 of 32 on two-point shots and a very good 13 of 30 from the three-point line for 43%. Big difference in the game, Virginia Tech attacking the basket, taking shots around the basket, they shot 25 free throws, making 20. The Irish were six of seven. 42 of the 93 points scored by Virginia Tech were in the paint. They only out-rebounded Notre Dame by three, and Tech only had seven offensive rebounds, which is not a lot for Notre Dame opponents. Irish led by seven in the first half, fell behind by 10, with 3.49 to go in the second half before losing to Virginia Tech 93 to 87. And Grant Bazil was the dominating force in that ball game for Virginia Tech. The Ford went 13 of 19 from the field. 33 points, seven rebounds. It's a it's very ironic that he had a big game. He was at Wright State last year, and reportedly Notre Dame recruited him very hard to be the replacement for Paul Atkinson. He ended up at Virginia Tech and Grant had 33 and seven against the guy that allegedly recruited him to Notre Dame, Mike Bray. And it's the what if game. It's a fun game to play. It's not realistic, but if Grant comes to Notre Dame, is Mike Bray ready for year number 24 with the Fighting Irish? And I should also add in Grant plays in that fashion. <laughs> I'm not saying every game, but if he gives you 14 points and seven rebounds, the season's going to look a little different. I'm not saying they would make the tournament, but it will look a whole lot different. For Notre Dame in that ball game, J.J. Starling came off the bench, had nine points, and that was the game that Nate Lashevsky caught fire. 33 points for Lashevsky on 12 of 17 shooting, 6 of 9 from the three-point line. He also grabbed eight rebounds for the Fighting Irish. Also against Virginia Tech, Cormac Ryan hit five threes and scored 17 points. The only other Notre Dame player in double figures was Vin Allen Lubin, the freshman, 11 points and five rebounds, but 33 from Lashevsky in that particular ballgame. So that was a contest. Each team had a player score 33 points. Virginia Tech won 93 to 87. Both teams need to run the table in the ACC tournament to go dancing here in the month of March. And by the way, Basil is having a really good year for Virginia Tech. He is their leading scorer on the season. So important matchup for the Irish down low. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Area teams handled their business last night on another night of Hoosier hysteria. For one of the best teams in the state, the Penn Kingsmen, number two in 4A, it was a workmanlike performance. Northridge hang around and played them tough. But with the way Penn has played this year, playing them tough is almost a win for the opposition. Penn beat Northridge 75-62. Notre Dame signee, Marcus Burton, 37 for the Kingsmen. Penn continues to roll their only loss to number one, Ben Davis. 
The Kingsmen are now 26-1, and they will face Chesterton in Michigan City Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. For the number one team in 3A, Northwood, playing on their home floor against a fellow top 10 ranked team in West Noble, a team that they beat just a few weeks ago. Well, it looked like it was going to be a barn burner. Northwood at halftime held a 23-17 lead. But in the second half, the Panthers outscored West Noble 34-7. to Seven. Seven. And they won 57-24. to The Panthers... 24-2, they'll take on Lake Station at South Bend, Washington, Saturday at 1 o'clock. And the third team to punch their ticket for the regional last night, the Mishawaka Cavemen. First sectional title since 1986. They took down Michigan City 77-68. Mishawaka Grabbed the lead for good in the second quarter. Built the lead up to, I believe, as many as 15 in the second half. It was 46-31 at one point. Michigan City surged with about four minutes to go. Got back to within four, but Mishawaka continued to damage their press, getting layups. They made their foul shots, and Mishawaka took home the sectional title, beating the Wolves 77 to 68. For the Cavemen, 20 and 6 is their record. That matches the 04-05 Cavemen for the most wins in around 30 years. If they can beat Hammond Central on Saturday, it would be the most wins, and I'm not sure how long. The records don't go that far back online. I'm not sure how many wins the 86 team had. But Hammond Central is 26 and 1. It'll be the Cavemen and Hammond Central who barely beat Munster last night. Munster threw the ball the length of the floor. The ball was caught on the baseline, a little six-footer to win the game at the buzzer, bounced off the rim, and Hammond Central survived and advanced, which is what it's all about in the month of March. So 26-1 Hammond Central versus 20-6 Mishawaka. That will follow. The Penn-Chesterton game, 5 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday in Michigan City. Brian Miller and Ron Heklinski will have the call of that ball game on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. And they join John Glenn and South Bend Washington as our five area sectional winners. Washington and Glenn will play in the South Bend-Washington Regional Saturday at four o'clock and that's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight 524 is our time we'll come back with our twitter question of the day mishawaka basketball coach bodie bender will join me in about 16 minutes here on wsbt this is the budweiser's weekday sports beat twitter question of the day from sports radio 960 wsbt 529 at sports radio 960 wsbt I'm Darren Pritchett. We move along to our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday's question. What Notre Dame football stat from 2022 will improve the most in 2023? That question was posted on Twitter. And you had 24 hours to vote on it. My Twitter account is 960sportsbeat. The first choice, the Notre Dame offense averaged 31.8 points per game last year. Your other choice, the defense averaged 23 points per game allowed. Which number would improve the most in 2023? 72% felt like it will be the Notre Dame offense, led by new coordinator and play caller Gerard Parker. Doesn't hurt that Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman has joined the Fighting Irish football team. Yes, Notre Dame has to rebuild the interior of their offensive line. They've got a much weaker-looking tight end position with Michael Mayer off to the NFL. Wide receivers, we're still waiting to see who's going to come out and be the guys this year for the Fighting Irish and who can be consistent. 
But you feel like the offense will be much better this year, 72% of the vote. Al Golden's defense got 28% of the vote, you could argue. Another year in the system. It's going to help these guys. There's some young linebackers pushing for playing time. You got Morrison back at cornerback. How much better is he going to get this year? Safety position. There might be more questions there than in recent years. Not saying that's a negative. Not saying they're in trouble. Just saying maybe there's more things to learn about that group this season. Although they had some guys coming back that played really well last year. Where's the pass rush going to come from? That might hold down a few votes. So you feel like the offense is going to improve more than the defense in terms of points per game in 2023. We appreciate you voting on that particular question. Here is today's question, which got posted earlier this afternoon, again on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. With a bunch of players out of eligibility and the 2023 recruiting class down to one player, how many years will it take the new Notre Dame basketball coach to make this team an NCAA tournament contender? Now, I didn't say make the tournament. I said a realistic contender, meaning they go into whatever year's ACC tournament with a chance to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large squad. So how many years is it going to take the new Notre Dame coach to put together a team that is capable of making the tournament or at least be a contender? Your three choices, next year, two years, or three years. I'd love to get your vote, your thoughts. Vote at 960 Sportsbeat if you have a comment. We've got a few already. You can reply to that question. I'll be happy to read those on the air. Check out my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And, folks, it's about tournament time, and the mayhem is coming back. Basketball mayhem. Get ready to create your brackets on March the 13th, which is Monday. And if you pull off the perfect bracket, you'll have a chance to win $1 million. Submit your bracket starting on Monday through next Wednesday at WSBTradio.com. Basketball Mayhem 2023 and your chance to win $1 million is brought to you by Cottage Inn Pizza of Niles, Michigan. Check out their new loyalty rewards program and app for easy ordering at cottageinn.com. That's cottageinn.com. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT radio is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. The Mishawaka Caveman basketball team riding high today after winning a sectional title. We'll talk to their head coach, Bodie Bender, coming up next. Don't forget, Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Blue and Gold's Mike Singer in 30 minutes at 6.05 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. To Arthur. Arthur takes right, goes left, step back, three ball, rimming, rimming, and in! A soft touch off the front of the iron for Arthur Jones. He's got six. Off left side to Nelson, takes a three. Inside feed to Pritchett, dishes it off to Fisher, underneath to Yohe, head fakes the defender up in the air, put it up at him. Great ball movement. Topside Hodges, dribble penetrates, cuts in the lane, ball stripped away, stolen by Rasan. Johnson, left side to Pritchett, running layup is good. Arthur dribbles through traffic, dishes right side, now touch pass left to Fisher laying up at him. The K-Men will try to add to their seven-point lead. Arthur defended by Hodges, works around, down the lane, running scoop layup is good. Gibson out to Murphy, Murphy in transition, under to Briggs, goes for the shot, stripped away by Jones. Arthur on the steal, goes around Hodges, dishes right side with Son, yeah. put it up at him. 
Cavemen 73-64 leaders. All alone, puts it in the basket. Arthur finds him, hits him with a bullseye. 75-64. Inbounds Jackson Snyder. Rasad Johnson will dribble out the clock. Three, two, one, it is over. The Mishawaka Cavemen for the first time since 1986 are boys basketball sectional champions. Indiana Hoosier Hysteria is alive and well. Mishawaka wins it 77 to 68. Great job by Brian Miller on the call last night on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Laporte sectional goes to Mishawaka, beating Michigan City 77 to 68. And the Cavemen advance to the Michigan City Regional, where they will face 26-1 Hammond Central Saturday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. A game that you can hear on 96 on the ton, but please bring your radio or your app and listen to it. We need you over in Michigan City to support this terrific Mishawaka team that is now 20 and 6 and some brand new hardware at Mishawaka High School today. And the head coach of the Cavemen, Bodie Bender, in his first year, joins me here on WSBT Radio. So what was it like being the basketball coach at Mishawaka today at the high school? Um, ironically enough, I hope the kids felt like they were kings more than I, so more so than I, since, uh, it was a short turnaround. I had to get in a car and head to Michigan city for our regional meeting. <laughs> I hope Mr. Hupper brought breakfast after what happened last night. Yeah, yeah, we got some breakfast. It was a, it was a good little day. It was nice to be away and, and, uh, and not celebrate a sectional title. Let's go to a regional meeting. Absolutely. Love the sound of that. Coach, I want to start with this. I thought one of the most important decisions you made before last night's game was to put your 6-4, I don't want to say forward because he's very athletic. He's the quarterback of the football team that rushes for a million yards, Brady Fisher. You put him on Jamie Hodges, who might be 5'11". This is a kid that can go off for 30 very, very easily. What went into your thinking and how important was that decision? Well, I, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head a little bit, uh, and I think you and I talked last night um, about it off the air. And, and I was driving to school yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, we've got to have multiple guys that can guard him. I knew Maddox was going to start on him because I knew Maddox was smart enough to take him the way we wanted to go. But I, I was just thinking to myself, Brady Fisher's pretty athletic. Brady Fisher's six four. Brady Fisher is the quarterback. He moves well laterally. He runs the ball 15, 18 times a game. Uh, I knew his length would drive Jamie nuts. If he, even if he got to the lane, I said, Brady Fisher's going to guard him. So I, I ran to Steve Sheltrow's room and I said, what do you think of this? He goes, that's a great idea. I, n- I never even thought about that. And uh, um, I know there's some, some people in the school that like to joke. It's the only coaching decision I made all year. And it's the best coaching decision I made all year. <laughs> Well, that's an important decision because I felt like coming into the game, Michigan City's length and athleticism could cause us problems on the board. And when you bring one of your big guys to the outside to defend a guy like Hodges, that takes away, you know, a rebounder. But still, I thought you guys did a fantastic job taking care of the boards. They didn't get those cheap buckets that they got in the previous two games of the sectional. Yeah, I I thought our guys, really the whole sectional – really honed in on blocking out and, and going back. And I think we've talked about this before. Um, the last bullet point I write on the board defensively is um, block out one and done. And the guys have really embraced that and, and you know, are really starting to make it tough on teams and scoring on us in a half court. Hmm. Bodie Bender, head coach of the sectional champion, Mishawaka Cayman, joining me here on WSBT Radio. It's great to have senior leadership. It's great to have a senior take charge in big games. And I thought, Coach, your senior guard, Arthur Jones, got your team off to such a fast start in all three games. He put points on the board against Plymouth, Riley, and again, Michigan City last night, including 18 in the first half against the Wolves. How important was it, and how much did it almost settle down the rest of the team, knowing that Arthur was taking care of some of that early offense? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was big for us. I, I thought, you know, that pulls their defense out their defense out a little bit more on the perimeter. You gotta come out and guard him and that allows him to drive by and start getting dump offs to, to Cooper and, and Brady inside and even Jackson cutting in from the backside and scoring a little bit. And, and you can add Rasan and Maddox too in there and uh you know, that's when he starts making you a headache where he has some shots, he pulls you out. Now you got to get up on him and he can get by. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, too far a stretch to say that Arthur Jones was the best guard in the tournament this past week. I agree with you, and he even said that in the postgame last night. <laughs> hey, he, he did. He played one heck of a sectional. I thought he outplayed you know, the Michigan City Guards last night. Pretty impressive. All right, so I'm going to take off my media hat for a second, and I'm going to sound like a parent. I thought at midseason, any team that was going to play Mishawaka, if you pressed Mishawaka, you were going to force a lot of turnovers and cause a lot of headaches for the Cavemen. But late in the year, things changed, and you guys absolutely destroyed Michigan City's pressure, I, I joke with the guys last night, it felt like they had 15 layups off breaking the pressure. What yeah. did you do to help this team take care of the basketball better against the press and not only beat the press, but really, really hurt it with a lot of points? Uh, I, first off, I, a lot of praying and pleading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think we had to go back when, when teams started to hurt us, probably back when we were playing Warsaw and they really exposed us, you know, I, I sat down with the rest of the coaches and, and I decided we, we had to have a 10 minute segment every night in practice where we had to start working on it. And in the front court, we had to work more on guard play and, and where we wanted to catch the basketball and where we wanted to look and how we wanted to get rid of it a lot faster if those options weren't open. And, you know, we, we still struggled. I think in the last couple of weeks, even really up to the sectional and finally something clicked. And when we started to get the ball to the middle of the floor, uh, we got layups and, and we got a heck of a lot of them last night. Bodie Bender, head coach of the Mishawaka cave and my guest. I told Arthur Jones last night, if there was an MVP of the sectional, he won it. I think the co-MVP was the doctor who cleared Brady Fisher to play after he suffered a thumb injury and was out a month. Coach, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. The ability to win a sectional, it would have been a whole lot more difficult without getting that guy back in the lineup. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The things he can do for us at both ends of the floor. Um, not a lot of teams have that luxury. And his ability to guard basically one through five, rebound basketball, finish inside, make free throws. Um, you know, he's just – he's what people call he's, – he's kind of the unicorn. No doubt about that. Coach, let me say this to our listeners. I filled in for Brian for a couple of basketball games this year on 96 won the ton, and the coaching staff gives me this stat packet with all these wild stats on him, all these analytical numbers, and I'm like, I've been in baseball. I get all this analytics, but there was some stuff I didn't understand. So I've got a stat for you today. You ready for this? I'm always ready. I've heard it. I've heard a heck of a lot of stats here in the last 48 hours, so why not one more? Oh, I guarantee you have not. Heard this one. This this is the ultimate one. Obviously, my son Cooper Pritchett's on the team, and he was headbutted in the game against Plymouth on Tuesday at a ping pong ball size not above his eye. Since he was headbutted, he is 13 out of 14 from the field and has set two career highs. So I guess if someone wants to take a hammer to his head before the Michigan City game, it might knock some more sense into him. Now, how about that stat? Maybe I'll let Arthur headbutt him in practice. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, that's a guy that averages seven, eight points a game, kind of a glue guy, yeah. the energy guy, defends, yeah. physical. And sometimes you need that guy to kind of raise his level of offensive play when you get to March Madness, and he's put up yeah. 13 and 21 the last two games. And I thought his ability to, to finish inside was big. And I, I thought another one, you know, usually he gets five. We can count on him for one or two from the free throw line. Yeah. But he stepped up and made some big free throws last night for us to really 
kind of stretch out the lead there when they got it close on that alley-oop dunk by Franklin to cut it to four. And we were able to stretch it out. He hit some free throws. And, uh, yeah, that was big for us last night. I won't tell you who wins the challenge in the front yard at the free throw line you know, in the summertime. I I won't embarrass anyone, but we'll save that for another day. So, Coach, you know what? This was a big goal for this team. I know this team wasn't a part of all these years of the drought, but 37 years between sectional wins, that's now gone. Uh, Mishawak has not won a sectional in about 19 hours, so that sounds a lot better than 37 years, (laughs) to say the least. But now, you know what? You get greedy. You've reached one goal. you got a chance to play again on Saturday against a 26-1 Hammond Central team. I just saw how their game ended. Munster threw a baseball pass down the floor, a baseline catch, a six-footer at the buzzer bounced off the rim, or Munster would be the opponent. Instead, it's a ranked Hammond Central team at 26-1. I know your staff's already been breaking down film. Does anything stand out immediately when you hear about Hammond Central? I think I think when you look at it, and I, I got more than just my staff watching film at the school, um, very similar tendencies to Michigan City. So, um, you know that that'll play well. I think well a little bit a little bit more well into our hands as far as how we're going to prepare this week. Um, it won't be as foreign to the kids. We won't have to change styles. So I, I think that's good for us a little bit. Two final questions for you, Coach. First off, I hear you almost ruined our luck by leaving your lucky socks at home. <laughs> yeah, so I, I always wear – my wife got me socks. She got me socks when I was at Carroll um, that were blue with my daughter's face on it. So when the season started, she got me some new ones that are maroon mm. with my daughter's face on it. Oh. And I was getting around um, – I was getting around Sunday night, had everything around. I still had to wash them. I forgot to wash them. So I put them in the wash. And about 10 o'clock, they get done, and I put them in the dryer. And I was like, I'll just get them in the morning. I got everything around. I'll get them in the morning. I get to school, and I, I remembered I forgot to get them out of the dryer. So my wife, who hadn't left for work yet, said, I will grab them. And she ran them by the school. So I had my lucky socks. How about that? She saved the so day. And assist from my wife. You know, I think a lot of coaches wouldn't even wash those socks. You know, keep the luck in them. They might, you know, might need a little air freshener, but that's okay. We don't yeah. mind. We don't mind. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I, don't, I, I would have a hard time doing that without washing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Final question for you. And let me set this up by telling listeners that don't know that Coach Bender came from Carroll High School last year and led that school to the final four losing over at Elkhart Central at Northside Gym not Elkhart Central but Northside Gym and Elkhart and he left behind one heck of a team that is still playing right now again this year and you got the ultimate surprise as players and coaches made the long drive to Laporte to watch your team play and ultimately win a sectional what goes through your mind? And you didn't know they were coming when you saw them pop up on the floor to congratulate you. Yeah, I, I did see them walk in in pregame. Okay. They were standing up top, smiling a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know. It, it was indescribable. And then for them to come down and, and congratulate us um, was very special. I, I still have some close relationships with those kids and obviously the coaching staff. And I love those kids as much as I love our players this year. Um, So that was very special for for me personally um, to have those guys come. Um, So, yeah, it was was a a very nice moment for me. That was so cool. Very, very cool. A lot of cool things happened last night at LaPorte High School. Well, Coach, congratulations. The Cavemen are 20-6. and That ties the most wins by a Cavemen boys basketball team in at least 30 years, matching – Rob Berger's 05 team that won 20 games, but they were unable to win that sectional. That year lost a tough, tough game to Concord, but you guys got it done last night. Congratulations, and might as well keep on playing. More fun to be had. Hey, why not? Let's go one more week, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this week at school, another week with the guys. Yep. Um, practicing, going to Michigan City on Friday to practice. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Go Cavemen. Nothing beats a team coming together and playing their best basketball in the month of March. Perfect. Absolutely, Absolutely. perfect. Yep. Coach, Absolutely. thank you so much. Watch the Sox tonight so we don't have this problem <laughs> on Saturday. It's a longer drive if you have to be driven I those will, socks. I will, yeah, I will make sure those things are washed and they're are probably on my feet when I get to the school. All right, when I get my sectional T-shirt, I hope I get my commemorative socks as well. That's all I ask. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do with that one. All right. Hey, Coach, congratulations. Best of luck over in Michigan City on Saturday. Thank you. I appreciate it. That is Mishawaka head coach Bodie Bender joining me here on Sportsbeat 555 at WSBT. A simple 20-minute. Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The WSBT radio app. And on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. It is time once again on Sportspeed to talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Our conversation also available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel so you can watch us talk Notre Dame football, which I'm not sure there's anything better than that. Mike, good to see you. How are you? I'm doing great there. Congrats to your son on a, on a fantastic game um, this week. Big, yeah, it must be a big week for the, the, those last name, or those, or those folks with the last name Pritchett. Well, I hope so, but thank you very much. Greatly appreciate that. Not sure how many Pritchetts are being recruited by Notre Dame football, but if there was a way to mix that in, we would right <laughs> now. But I doubt there's very many, to say the least. So why don't we talk about a guy named Canyon instead? Uh, Notre Dame has offered a 2024 wide receiver, Isaiah Canyon, why is this particular wide receiver so important? Yeah, so this is a really interesting prospect, Aaron. I mean, one thing I love about covering recruiting so much is that no two recruitments are the same. You know, there's definitely ones with similarities, but, um, you know, I actually just, you know, got a Facebook notification. Ten years ago today is when I started in this industry. So it's, you know, it's been, a, it's been a full decade for me. And this kind of recruitment, you just, you don't see often. Again, you see them similar, but not quite like this one. About two and a half, three weeks ago, Canyon did not have a scholarship offer. Now he's got, you know, he's, it's, a, it's a modest offer list, but usually you don't blow up in February during a dead period, you know, of your junior year. You know, Vanderbilt, Indiana, Georgia Tech, and then Notre Dame comes out of nowhere and offers them. Um, the kind of connection here, Darren, is he's from Warner Robins, Georgia, which is home to Chancey Stuckey, of course, Notre Dame's receivers coach, um, who's from that area. Interestingly enough, uh, Canyon's uh, late grandfather coached Stuckey in baseball when Stuckey um, was a kid. I think that was kind of interesting to mention. Um, and, uh, yeah, Notre Dame got in contact with them just, I think, like a couple weeks ago, and then – before you know it, he's on campus. Uh, he was at Indiana, a school that's offered him on Saturday. Drove up to South Bend Saturday evening, had dinner with a couple of Notre Dame coaches, and then Sunday he had his visit, got the offer, um, you know, after a presentation with Chancey Stuckey. So, um, and uh, you can find my interview with, with Canyon at Blue and Gold. He had basically told me that, look, it's, it's early in my recruitment, but Notre Dame's going to be tough to beat. And, uh, you know, he's a player who, you know, on threes ranked him as a, as a high three-star, a borderline three-star, excuse me, a borderline four-star. It's a really good ranking to get for your first one when you got your, off, your first offer less than a month ago. He's someone who I think is just going to continue to rise up the ranks. I haven't logged a, uh, a prediction at on three for him to land at Notre Dame yet because there's really no telling where this recruitment goes from here, Darren. I mean, I think – the nation is now kind of on alert about this kid, and I think that many other big-time programs will offer. Uh, on his junior tape, he, he had to fill in a quarterback, which this play right here for YouTube audience, just saw him throwing the ball there. He had, he had to play some quarterback um, to help out his team. He played receiver. He played corner. I mean, the guy is just all over the field. And interestingly enough, J.C. Stuckey also was a high school quarterback. 
Um, so yeah, you, you even got that little connection there on top of them being from the same hometown and uh, even the little family connection. So, yeah, I, I think this is definitely a player to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, not going to be a highly ranked guy if he's ranked at all, depending on which website you look at. But his, I mean, this is one where, okay, folks, you can't be upset about Notre Dame getting on a kid late, but then also get upset when Notre Dame's on a kid early. Like, we can't have both. So this is going to be one that Notre Dame's on him really, really early. Um, you know, you might not be fired up because he's not ranked highly. Just just wait is what I was thinking about. Well, let me then ask this question since he's not highly ranked right now. Do you see a trait or two that projects to be a guy that can be a helpful football player at a school like Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, his size, um, I think he's around like 6'3", 190, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, 6'2 and a half, 193 is what he's listed at by on three. Uh, and he's got that size. He's got that size to combo with his athleticism. You know, you're talking about him playing quarterback, corner, and receiver. He knows the game of football really well. Playing against really good competition down there in, in uh, Central Georgia. I mean, he's just kind of a freakish athlete that's been a diamond under the rough, a di- diamond in the rough. Um, and my Notre Dame sources are just raving about this because mm. they think his upside is enormous. Many times, as we've talked through the years, you've mentioned a kid like this that's kind of under the radar, then all of a sudden, boom, pops up, and he starts getting offer after offer. And a lot of times, because kids don't maybe go to the right camp to get the recognition. Is that the case with Isaiah? Is there anything that kept him under the radar for so long? Yeah, you you know, you you don't go to camp. Maybe you played a little bit more of a low-profile school. Um, and, and I think part of it, Darren, is just a domino effect in college football recruiting. You know, if that just one school decides to take a chance on you, that's a big domino that falls and then many other fall. If that school, it's the 50-50 if we want to offer or not, um, and they decide not to, no domino falls, you're under you know the radar a little bit more. So that's how you see it happen a lot of times. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he got that first offer again. I believe it was from Indiana. Big 10 schools, your first offer, you know, that, that typically is an eye popping one and it's definitely worked out for him. Notre Dame recruiting update with Mike Singer on the blue and gold YouTube channel and Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT radio. So let's talk about some high school players visiting South Bend this week. Yeah, just a couple to my knowledge, um, and Notre Dame had Canyon uh, on campus last weekend, as well as Cameron Clark, a pass rusher um, from Tennessee. And two, to my knowledge, on campus this week, you have uh, Kellen Lindstrom um, from Springfield, Missouri, Glendale High School, four-star pass rusher, 6'6", 240 pounds. He's a guy who I honestly don't know a ton about. He's, you know, what I like to call a ghost when it comes to the media. I mean, they, you just you – know, you, you, you try to contact him, you know, it's hard to, to get a whole lot back. And um, so I, I don't know a ton about his recruitment. I mean, you look at his offer list, um, you know, he's definitely got some good schools on there. Wisconsin, Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa. Um, and then he's blown up a lot recently. Oklahoma, Bama, Tennessee, LSU, Michigan, Oregon, USC. Uh, of course, all those schools in addition to Notre Dame. So, yeah, pretty good news that Notre Dame's getting him up to campus. Um, you know, people I talked to are very excited about him, think he could be a good Notre Dame fit. Um, there always is a few Notre Dame kids first cycle that are just a little bit more. I'm reserved. I'm not a big me, me, me attention guy. Notre Dame's just the place for me. I like, it kind of reminds me of Brennan Vernon last year. I mean, Brennan Vernon didn't want to talk to media. The, the dude just wanted to, like, go skateboard and play his guitar and, and go hit people and play football. Like, I love those kind of kids. They might not be the best for my business, Darren, but hey, like personally, it's fantastic. So yeah, Kellen Lindstrom will be on campus as well as uh, Kevin Sperry over the weekend from Prosper, Texas. Class of 2025 quarterback, Darren. As the month goes on, me and you will talk about more class of 2025 quarterbacks, Sperry being one that Notre Dame really likes. Uh, they've only offered three so far. Um, I, I don't see any of those three honestly ending up at Notre Dame between Ryan Montgomery, Bryce Underwood, and Antoine Hill Jr. Those are the three names 
my guess is Notre Dame's 2025 quarterback will not be one of those. Fighting Irish really like Sperry, from what I'm told, 6'1", 190 pounds. You know, pretty strong offer list early on Baylor, uh, Florida State, Texas A&M, Oregon, um, any, you know, Tennessee, TCU, Arizona State, a bunch of other schools have offered Sperry. So, yeah, uh, Notre Dame sources do like him a lot. And it, it wouldn't be a shock to see him getting offered um, by Notre Dame. With spring practice just about two weeks away, how do you expect Marcus Freeman to use spring practice to help recruit? And your crystal ball, do you feel like Notre Dame might get a couple of commitments during spring practice? Is that something that could possibly happen? Yeah, I think by June, Notre Dame should have maybe three new commitments. They're at eight right now. Uh, and I think we talked about this in last week's show. Yeah, they're at eight right now. I could see them being about 11 going into June, and then by the start of the football season, they'll probably be at like 17, 18, something like that, um, if not more. So it's obviously a, a, a total guesstimate at this point. But, yeah, I've been asked a ton lately because it just hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, new commitments or, you know, uh, predictions for these five-star recruits to go to Notre Dame. Like, oh, is Notre Dame slacking? Is is Marcus Freeman not doing a good job recruiting? <laughs> like, folks, calm down. Just, just take a deep breath. It's March. Okay? It's March 7th. Like, let's just calm down. It's Because it's, this is what's funny to me, Darren. What does Notre Dame need to win a, win a national championship? What do they need? What do they need, Darren? Just say it. They need really, really good players. Okay, a quarterback. They need a quarterback. Yes, okay, right? yes. You need a freaking quarterback. Notre Dame has one of the best in C.J. Carr. So when Carr gets dropped in the rankings, everyone's like, this is ridiculous. He's a five-star caliber player. These rankings are stupid, right? That's what we hear. But then on the flip side of it, if these players aren't ranked very low that Notre Dame's going after, and you're like, why are we going after low players? Are the rankings your truth or not? you got to <laughs> pick one, folks. You can't have both. They can't be the stupidest thing ever when Carr gets dropped, and they can't be the truth when you just want to know who Notre Dame's recruiting and all you look at is a ranking, and that's what you base it off of. You can't have both. You know, you just got to pick one here. Or you just kind of be like me, and you just kind of take it for what it's worth. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a data point, but I want a lot more context than just a ranking. Rant over, Darren. You left out one thing in your rant. Okay. You forgot to mention that it was your fault C.J. Carr had his worst high school game of the year last year because you were at the game. All the pressure you put get, on him I being at the game. Still get, still get teased about that from those in the, in the car, um, you know, car uh, camp, I'll say. Still get teased about that. I'm not sure if I'm welcome back to another C.J. Carr game. Yeah, six of 25. Okay, too well, soon to make yeah, that comment. Yeah. I'll put that on the back burner. Yeah, there All you right, go. Let's... It was in October, but, yeah, too soon still. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, Tennessee Volunteer Football's making a resurgence right now, and they've got a, a cornerback commit in Caleb Beasley that I'm assuming Notre Dame is keeping their eye on. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, Notre Dame's on, usually on the end of, at least how it feels that Notre Dame's on the end of getting players flipped from Notre Dame elsewhere, but in all honesty, it, it kind of evens out. Notre Dame flips a ton of players elsewhere in the in last cycle, Kenny Minchie. Bubakar Traore, you know, the Irish will have players flip in, flip out, just, just how it goes. Um, Beasley is one that I like Notre Dame to land last summer, Darren. Um, had a prediction in for, for him to land at Notre Dame. Didn't work out. Committed to Tennessee last October. The timing was a surprise. I didn't see him popping that early. But, again, when you have these early commitments, a lot of times it's like, mm, did I did I make this one too early? I'm going to just – Still kind of keep my options open a little bit. And Blue and Gold reported uh, last, was it Thursday or, or Friday, that Beasley's visiting Notre Dame uh, April 1st. And he's also going to be at Tennessee March 25th in Auburn a couple days after the Tennessee trip. So Notre Dame's still working on it. Marcus Freeman's at his school in January. It's, it's still a recruiting battle. Um, yeah, Notre Dame obviously has ground to make up in Tennessee. Every school does. Um, you know, he's a big part of that Tennessee class. He's visiting there all the time. It's the in-state school. But if he ends up signing with Tennessee, it won't be due to a lack of effort by Notre Dame. Unofficial visit April 1st, I should mention. Notre Dame, uh, still, to my knowledge, has that little policy where if you're committed elsewhere, 
we're not going to bring you on an official visit here. You need to decommit from that school if you're going to do that. So this is an unofficial visit, Darren. Hmm. I notice he's from Lipscomb Academy. Is that Trent Dilfer's old team? It is. Okay. Yep. Because he's now the head that coach is. at UAB now, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So yep, that's correct. Pretty good players coming out of Lipscomb Academy. All right, Mike Singer, Darren Pritchett with you. Who are the top candidates to join Aeneas Williams on the Notre Dame 2004 or 2024 running back commit list? Yeah, 2004, taking us back there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I actually had a story on Aeneas Williams um, earlier today. So I was like, yeah, this is probably a good time to uh, to bring up who could be you know, potentially joining him. Williams, uh, a four-star running back commit for the Fighting Irish. Um, out of Hannibal, Missouri, uh, not you know uh, the most fertile recruiting ground out there, but uh, yeah, Notre Dame goes where the, the talent is. So Williams committed to Notre Dame in December, and folks, yeah, you can read uh, my article at Blue and Gold, uh, recapping kind of where things stand with him after all the coaching news. But you know, Darren, they've offered a bunch of running backs, and there's two guys to me that kind of stand out as who they potentially could have joined Williams. I think the guy that's at the top of the board right now is Kedron Young from Luskin, Texas. Um, you know, big-time offer list. You know, and I know he's blown up a lot recently. Uh, Michigan and Texas, a couple of his recent offers. Hmm. But from when I talked to him and I had an article posted on him uh, last Friday, looks like a Texas Tech-Notre Dame battle. Texas Tech's actually doing a really good job in this recruitment, and Notre Dame, um, it, it's been surging as well. So a top 100 player per on three. Uh, the on three industry ranking um, has him as the number 153 player nationally and the number nine running back. So right now, this is the running back to keep an eye on. And then the other is Darion Dupree for me from Chicago Mount Carmel, uh, considered a slight Notre Dame lead for the recruiting prediction machine. But you know, the RPM also has UTSA leading for Kendron Young, and that's not going to happen. Um, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, I mean, it's a Chicago kid. I really liked what I saw from him at Irish Invasion last year. And working on getting back to Notre Dame this spring. He's been in good connection, good uh, contact, I should say, with, with Dylan McCullough. So Dupree, like if Notre Dame were to make a hard push for Dupree, I could definitely see him ending up at Notre Dame. Hearing you talk about running back recruiting makes me think about Dylan McCullough, the running back coach, was apparently getting some NFL looks. We decided to stay in South Bend, which is great news. And I know for any fan base, including Notre Dame fans, you get uneasy when you see all these coaching changes, and Notre Dame has had their fair share here in the month of February. But the way I look at it, Mike, is really, really great coaches is what you want in your staff as a fan. And great coaches are going to move to new opportunities. So you may only get great coaches for two, three years. Harry Heastan is a rare exception. The first time Harry stayed for a longer period of time. So – Keeping McCullough is great, but, you know, eventually he might get a bigger opportunity and he's going to take that opportunity. But I just think you're not going to have great assistants very long. Enjoy while you have them. And Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They're going to replace them with just as good assistant coaches. Yeah, you make a great point in that you're, you know, like a Mike Elston staying in Notre Dame for, uh, you know, a long time. You don't see that a ton. Mm -hmm. Some guys will just latch onto the school and be like, I don't, maybe have a ton of coordinator aspirations um, or, you know, like defensive line coaches, running backs coaches, like some of these like spots specifically have a hard time being elevated coordinator. Um, You know, that, that's kind of a factor. And then you have like a guy like Jeff Quinn, who you just kind of latch onto a coach and you follow him for 30 years, wherever you go. So there's, that's, you know, just a couple factors of why some coaches can stay a long time, but you know, it's, it's like a, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, when you have on both sides of it, coaches leaving or going. If your coaches are leaving, that stinks. You've got good coaches. You don't want to replace them. But if, he's, if you have coaches who are not leaving or not getting other jobs and they don't include like a Harry Heastand or Jeff Quinn or Mike Gilson, those kind of situations, why aren't they getting posts elsewhere? Are they not good coaches? So, you know, you kind of have both, both sides of the coin. But at the end of the day, Coaches have short shelf lives. Three years is, you know, if you've been at a spot for three years, you're probably gone. I think McCullough's, my guess would be this is probably his last season. I mean, the guy's trajectory is just sure. going, it's just going up. Stucky's the same. Like, I think with those, those were two 
outstanding hires. Like I think when you look back at Marcus Freeman's time or his early years at Notre Dame, you're going to look back at those two hires as a first-time head coach and be like, damn, that was impressive. Stucky McCullough, two big-time coaches. There you go, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Special offers, it sounds like, coming in the spring, but you can be a part of the Blue and Gold family now through the start of the season for $29.95. Check it out at blueandgold.com. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, a 90-minute version tonight, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Thank you so much for joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Thanks to Bodie Bender and Mike Singer for joining me. Tyler Horker from Blue and Gold Illustrated talks Notre Dame football on tomorrow's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Time to visit Christensen. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass, Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 